Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time. We try to, the, the name of the program is Bible Crossfire. We emphasize the Bible in this program. Not what I think or what I want the truth to be, but what the Bible actually says is the truth. John seventeen seventeen, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. A lot of people claim they're giving you God's word, but they really give you what their think-sos are, or what they want it to be. And uh, we could possibly be guilty of that too. So you need to call us and if uh, call our hand on it. If we're teaching something different than what the Bible says, you'll be our best friend if we teach something that's not really found in the Bible and you call our hand on it. Well, you, 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 you're going to be helping us by pointing out to us what the Bible actually has to say. Because as John 8.32 says, and most of you call, uh, listeners know this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Only the truth is going to be set us free from sin, not false religious teaching. Last week we were talking about how Jesus could be or is the Lamb of God. Remember John the Baptist says in John chapter 1 verse 29 about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And we were pointing out that Jesus is the Lamb of God in the sense that he is the sacrifice. And we talked about a few passages last week. We talked about at the Old Testament how that a, a physical animal, a lamb, an immature sheep was sacrificed for sin many times. And Jesus is the Lamb of God in that he is the ultimate sacrifice. He's the only effectual sacrifice. He's the final sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God in the sense that he's the sacrifice. I thought we'd continue to talk about that this evening, how Jesus is the Lamb of God in between our calls. But if you have a Bible question or comment, you feel free to call us. The number to call is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. In Romans chapter 3, I'd like to look at verses 23 through 26. If you have your Bible open there to Romans 3, you'll notice about the sixth or eighth word in verse 25 is the word propitiation. That's kind of a long, complicated uh, theological word. So I looked it up. Propitiation means by which it becomes consistent with his character to pardon the sinner, according to dictionary.com. This, this kind of helps us to see there's a dilemma here. You know, God has said the wages of sin is death. If he pardons us, isn't he kind of just letting us off the hook? How can God remain just and pardon us, let us off the hook from our, our sins? I've got a son, I've got four children, a son, Heath. He's 26. Suppose back when he was six years old, I said to Heath, uh, if you do this, you're going to get a spanking. He does it anyway. Heath, if you do that again, you're going to get a spanking. He does it again anyway. I said, Heath, if you continue to do that, you're going to get a spanking. He continued to do that. I never spank him. You think you'd have any respect for me as a father if I did that? It's just a bunch of talk, right? A bunch of threats without backing it up. No, I don't even think Heath, as a six-year-old, probably would be glad he got out of a spanking. But he's not going, even Heath would not have respect for me as a father if I did that. How can we respect God when he says the wages of sin is death? But then he pardons us. He lets us off the hook. Well, I think Romans 3, 23 through 26 
gives us the key to that. And, and it is that Jesus pays the penalty for us. He takes the spanking for us. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but let's take this call. Carl from Alabama, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, sir. Carl, can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was calling concern in Second John, verse 9, but if you transgress the doctrine of Christ, you have not God. But if you keep right. the doctrine, his word, you have the Father and the Son. You know, when the, when the, when the, I'm sorry, when the Christians assemble together to serve God, we make up the church. So if you are assembling to make up God's church and Jesus is what two or three gather, I've been in the midst of them. If you transgress his word, which the Bible says if you transgress, you don't have God. So yeah. how can you be a church if you if you go if you don't if you transgress his word, how can you be a church? To me you're only a church in name. I think you're exactly God, right, Carl. In this passage, it says if you transgress the doctrine, doctrine teaching of Christ, you don't have God. Carl, you can't be saved if you don't have God, right? Yes, sir, that's right. So Carl, if you may so you may clear. need to turn down your radio. You turn down your radio, or you might get confused by the delay. Okay, that's what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. So, so you don't have God. You, the only way we can be saved is through the grace and mercy of God, right, Carl? Oh yes, sir. That's right. So you're right. So that's what... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, if I'm a church, about, like you uh, said, you go ahead, Carl. You go ahead. No, I was thinking about uh, a lot of time. I, I don't think what people realize that the Bible said we must live by every word of God that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the Bible says all scripture yep. is given by inspiration of God. So, uh, But if you go beyond yep. the word of God, if God is not with you, there's no way you can be a church. But if you if you keep his word, don't add to it or take away from it. He said you have the, the Father and the Son. So to me, yep. that means if you're not doing what the Bible say do, you only a church in name, by name, not according to God's word. Yeah. So, so a church that does not abiding in the teaching of Christ, or even an individual, Carl, that doesn't abide in the teaching of Christ, they don't have God. They can't be saved, right? Right. Yes, sir. That's right. And I, I think this principle. This, is, Carl, I think this passage and this principle is is overlooked by. Uh, almost more than any other any other truth in God's word. People want to teach, in effect, that two plus two is four and five, that both answers can be right, that everybody can teach all these different things and they're all right. But this verse refutes that because it says you have to abide in the teaching of Christ to be right, doesn't it, Carl? Mm, yes, sir, that's right. And That's exactly right. I'm, so I was just wondering, I don't... I think people just need to get back to the basis of taking what Bible, making your mind up that I'm going to do whatever the Bible tells me to do and don't add to or take away from it. And that's the only way we can be of the same mind, which the Bible tells us to do. Yep. We, not to add to or take away, Revelation 22, 18 and 19. We're able to be of the same mind, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. You said we're to, we're to go by every word from God. God. Yes. That's Matthew 4, 4. And you said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. So I like the fact, Carl, that you're using verses to prove what you say instead of just giving us your think so or your want, want tos, right? Right. That's, that's one thing we got to remember, and especially if we call ourselves Christians, that our opinion doesn't matter. 
The only thing that matters is the word of God. What did God say? Yeah. You know, Christian, Carl, means follower of Christ. So a lot of yes, people sir. say, all you got to do is believe in Christ to be saved. But no, you got to follow Christ. You got to submit to Christ. You have to serve Christ. You have to obey Christ. Hebrews 5, 9 says, talking about Jesus, that he became the author, the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So, Carl, who's going to receive eternal salvation according to Hebrews 5, 9? Only the ones that obey God. For Jesus said, not everyone yeah. that says to me, Lord, Lord, would enter heaven, but the one that do the will of my Father. Exactly. Matthew seven twenty one. That's a very good passage. You put those two passages together, clearly refutes this idea. That, Carl, you correct me if I'm wrong, that all you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're, you're going to be saved. You have to obey him as your personal Savior, don't you, Carl? Yes, the Bible says faith without work is dead. So you Faith put without faith works work. is dead. James 5, 19, oh. that's exactly right. Carl, we appreciate your call. Call any time, okay? All right, thank you, sir. All right, bye-bye. All right. Appreciate that good call. You know, Carl gave verses for what he was trying to teach there, what he was trying to point out there or assert. Instead of just saying, this is what I think, or this doesn't make sense to me, what we should do is prove what we say by the Bible. That's what we try to do on this program. If we fail in that, then you correct us because only the Bible is true. If Pat says something different than what the Bible said, then Pat's just flat out wrong. The Bible is right. That's God's word. What any man says, you know, some man says you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Well, what does it, what difference does it make what the man says when Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he's the final word on that. So he, you do have to be baptized according to be saved. A lot of preachers will say you don't, but Jesus says that you do. A lot of preachers will say you can't fall from grace. It's impossible for a Christian to fall from grace. Galatians 5, 4 says whoever you would be justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So men can say anything they want to, but the Bible says you are fallen from grace. You can't fall from grace. Now, we were talking about Romans 3 in relation to our topic tonight of... Um, how Jesus is the Lamb of God. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. The number to call is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. In Romans 3, verses 23 through 26, I think what we're doing here is we're showing how that since Jesus takes the penalty for us, that means God can remain just even though he pardons us from our sins. Let me start in verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. So we're talking about this word propitiation. And the idea is that Jesus redeems us with his blood and that enables him to be a propitiation. In other words, God can, because of the death of Christ, he can pardon us and still remain just. The rest of verse 25 says, to declare his righteousness, talking about God's righteousness, for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Well, what's that talking about? The remission of sins that are passed, I think, is talking about God forgiving all of those folks during the Old Testament times before Jesus died. 
like David, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had Bathsheba's husband killed. Nathan, God's prophet, confronted David. David said, I've sinned. He repented. He got forgiveness. How could God forgive him? Jesus hadn't died yet. God could forgive David based upon the future death of Christ. Like before we had credit cards, people would commonly have charge accounts at stores and things. Let's say you had a charge account at the grocery store. You bought some groceries. You took them home with you. But the way the charge account worked, you didn't have to pay right then. You were sent a bill at the end of the month, and you paid for all the groceries for the whole month at the end of the month. So you take the groceries home. You're able to enjoy the groceries before you pay for them. Then when the bill comes, you pay that bill. And when you pay the bill, that makes you an honest man in the sight of the grocery store owner because you paid your bill. So God could forgive the people throughout those centuries during Old Testament times, like David, based upon the death of Christ that was coming in the future. He did that. He forgave them then. We see many, many cases in the Old Testament where God forgave people, like David. When Jesus came and died, that, in effect, made God an honest man. It made him honest because Jesus is paying for the forgiveness for all those times that God forgave people's sins before Jesus died. You see that? So we see the same thing in verse 26. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. That's what we were talking about with the word propitiation. How can God remain just and still justify the believer? How can he just let us off the hook and not give us death because Jesus redeemed us with his blood? He can justify the believer and still remain just, still be respected in our eyes because Jesus paid the penalty for us. Does that make sense? So what we're talking about tonight is how that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Next, I'd like to look at a passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Here's how that verse reads. For he, talking about God, hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, if you remember back to English class, do you remember the term in school, ironic? This is perhaps one of the most ironic passages in the Bible. The one who knew no sin, matter of fact, the only one who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us. Very ironic. But that phrase may seem kind of difficult on the surface. How was Jesus made to be sin for us? Well, I like to illustrate it this way. Suppose in Chicago where you have the mob, the mafia, it's, it's, the mafia is like organized crime. It's set up like a business. Instead of just each person committing crimes for their own individual benefit, it's set up like a business where they do crime efficiently and make money for the whole organization. So the mob has a mob boss. He has his second lieutenants, a hierarchical structure all the way down, down to the peons who do all the work, just like a business. Suppose one of those second lieutenants, somebody who's been in the mob for 25 years, commits a crime, and the police are coming around. They want somebody to pay for this crime. Suppose the mob boss, and I suspect this has happened before, says to one of the peons who just came in to the mob, says, I want you to go to confess to that crime. You pay the penalty so my, my experienced mob person won't have to. And so the peon agrees to that. He confesses to the crime. He serves a year jail term. 
you'd think that the second guy second in charge would appreciate the fact that the peon served their penalty for them. Uh, we might say that 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 peon was made dirty for the other guy. Not that the peon was guilty. He didn't commit the crime. He didn't commit it at all. He was innocent. But he paid the penalty for the other guy who did commit the crime. He was made dirty for him, or he took the fall for him. I think that's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is saying about Jesus. We're the ones that sin, not Jesus. He's completely innocent. As we pointed out from John 1.29, he's innocent like a lamb, completely innocent. He's made dirty for us. He takes the fall for us. He takes the rap for us, we might say. He is made to be sin for us. Not that he's guilty, but that he takes the penalty for our sins. Now you think about that. Remember how that the the people in the mob would appreciate it if one of the other guys, the younger guys, took the penalty for their crime? Shouldn't we appreciate it? Because Jesus took the penalty for our crime. What we read about in Romans chapter 3, he redeemed us with his blood. We deserve to die because of our sin, but Jesus died so that we don't have to die for our sins. We should appreciate that enough to be willing to serve Jesus with all our heart, soul, and mind. Are you doing that? Are you serving God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Or are you just kind of doing it halfway? If you're just kind of doing it halfway, you probably don't appreciate enough what Jesus did for you. And we're looking at some passages tonight talking about how that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, to help us gain a better appreciation for what he's done for us so that we'll be better motivated to serve him more faithfully so that in the future, perhaps we study Bible topics on this program. Well, we find out what the Bible says on that topic. That's what we got to believe practice if that's what the Bible teaches. Well, maybe that would demand a change in our belief and practice. We're going to be more willing to do that because we've developed a better appreciation for what Jesus has done for us. I mean, don't we all appreciate what our mother did for us? She cooked for us. She cleaned for us before we could remember. She changed her diapers. She took us all over the place, you know, to practices and sports and all this, whatever things we were involved in. We appreciate what our mother's done for us. Well, do we appreciate what Jesus has done for us? Do we appreciate enough to serve him more faithfully, to believe and practice whatever he says on whatever issue we're talking about, whether it's gay marriage or baptism or once saved, always saved, or the frequency of the Lord's Supper? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 655-6755. The number to call then if you have a Bible question is 877-655-6755. I wanted to turn next to Colossians chapter 1 and read verse 20 through 21. It says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. That passage says twice that Jesus reconciled us to God. How might we use the word reconciled in everyday life? How about when I was a a boy? Maybe I got into an argument or a fight with my best friend. Later we reconciled. I've been married to Carol now for 32 years. We've had a few arguments during our 32 years. Later, we have an argument, then we reconcile, we kiss and make up. So what Jesus did on the cross enabled us to be reconciled to God. We were in a relationship with God, but that was broken because of our sin. 
sin separates from God, Isaiah 59, verse 2. Our sins separate us from God, so that relationship is broken. Jesus' death enables us to be reconciled to God. And if we are separated from God, we're on our way to the bad place to spend eternity with the devil in a burning fire. But now that we can get our relationship with God restored through the death of Christ and our trust and obedience of Christ, that's our part, then we can, as I said, have the relationship restored. And now we're on our way to heaven to spend eternity with God in paradise. We have so much to appreciate about what Jesus has done for us. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's the sacrifice for us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. So Jesus sanctifies us, which means he makes us clean, or he makes us holy. That's another synonym. Well, the primary thought in this verse is he does it with his blood. We receive cleaning, forgiveness of our sins through the blood of Christ. But you know, the Bible says in Hebrews, be also holy even as I am also holy, which is the same word as sanctified here, holy. We've got a part to play in our sanctification too, our holiness. God takes his part is to forgive us when we repent. But our part is to live a holy lifestyle. I want to borrow an illustration from the last verse in 2 Peter 2. It talks about a, a pig that was washed returning back to the mud. How that It doesn't do any good to wash a pig if you just let it go right back into the mud, does it? So if God forgives us of our sins, he cleanses us, he washes the mud or the sin off of us, that's not going to do us any good if we go right back into the mud, right back into sin. You see, we don't need both aspects of sanctification. The sanctification by the blood, the cleansing, by the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of our sins. But then for that to do us any good, we need to change our life and be holy, even as God is holy. We need to live a clean life, a sanctified life. You see that? Jesus is the Lamb of God. Let's don't waste it. He paid for our sins. He died for our sins. We say salvation is free, but not cheap. It's free for us, but it was very expensive for Christ. Let's don't waste that horrifically painful, torturous death that Jesus went through for us. We're going to be wasting it. Jesus died for me, but if I don't trust and obey him, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, then I'll be wasting that death on myself because I won't receive the benefits of that death. We have to trust and obey. James 2, 24 says, You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 877- 655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Another passage I'd like to read is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. That says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Well, that says Jesus redeemed us. How might we use the word redeem in everyday life today? Well, how about maybe somebody uses a, a pawn shop. They go into the pawn shop and they they uh, they want to borrow $100. We're going to have to come back in a couple of weeks with $110. Pretty steep interest rate there. 
but they're going to have to leave maybe a watch or something that's worth a hundred dollars so that they uh, uh, so that the, if they never come back, the the owner can sell the watch and retrieve the money. This says Jesus redeems us not with money, silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Jesus redeems us. He buys us back with his blood. It says in verse 19, the precious blood of a Christ as of a lamb without blemish. The lamb in the Old Testament had to be without physical defect. Jesus had to be without spiritual defect, no sin. He had to live perfectly in order to be qualified to die on the cross for our sins. We should appreciate that perfect life. We should appreciate that torturous death for our sins. We can be forgiven because of that. If you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study, when it's going to be convenient for you, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Call or text me if you want a free one-hour phone Bible study at your convenience, 256-682-9753. Be sure and listen next week at this same time.